when you are when you assume the task okay when you assume the task uh, of speaking at both services on Sunday you soon gain a real appreciation of Kyle because many times not only is he preaching both sermons but he's doing the Bible study lesson too and so that takes a lot of preparation a lot of thought a lot of discipline because um, anybody who has stood before the congregation like this and spoken the first difficult task that you have is choosing your topic sometimes that's the hardest task is choosing your topic now my topic was finally chosen for me because I couldn't get the fifth verse of the song we just finished out of my head love is the golden chain that binds our hearts so this morning we're going to look at love and what it does for us and what it causes in us and what it makes us want to do. Why did we all come here today? Did we come here out of a sense of obligation? Did we come here... Um, because that's what you do on Sunday morning? Did we, did we come here because there's somebody we wanted to see? Did we come here because we knew we were going to have a great lesson today? Why'd we come? You know, it's been about 48 or 9 years since I was baptized. And for 48 or 9 years on a pretty regular basis, I've been in the Lord's house on Sunday morning. Why was that? Some of you have been baptized longer than that. And so for that period of time, you've been, you've been in the Lord's house on Sunday morning. Why was that? And over those 48 or 9 years, I've been involved in some congregations where tr trouble arose. Why was that? This congregation has had trouble arise. Why was that? Let's open our Bibles to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. And I want to read verses 36 through 40. Now, let me back up to 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they gathered themselves together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And the Lord said to him, You shall love the Lord with all your heart with, and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. 
The second is like it. You shall love the, your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So the lawyer came to Jesus. So if he was a lawyer, what do we know? We know that he knew the law, right? Which law? The law of Moses, of course. And he asked, what is the most important law, right? Is there any such thing? Do we only have to obey the important ones? Or are we not a violator of the law if we, if we violate even the most, what we consider minor ones? So there, first of all, his, his, his whole question was incorrect. But it's interesting to, know, to note Jesus' answer. Now, let's look back at Exodus 20. I have no doubt that he was asking about the Ten Commandments. Which of the Ten Commandments is the most important? Then, G then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of sl slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, in, to th those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, but the, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your, your neighbor. You shall not cover, covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. neighbor. And so in, in the reading of the Ten Commandments, where do we say, thou shalt, where do we read, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart? And so, as Jesus answered the lawyer's question, he answered in a way that showed that the lawyer was asking the wrong question. 
The lawyer answered to the jot and tittle, asked, asked to the jot and tittle. Jesus answered to the motivation. What was the motivation? The motivation was that if we love the Lord our God with all our heart and our soul and our might, that we will not have a problem obeying Him. We will not have a problem keeping the law. We will not have, have a problem of limiting the law to that which was written and not that which was interpreted or added. So, so Jesus was correcting a misunderstanding of the, of the lawyer. But what about us today? Let's look at um, 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. We'll read the first three verses. Now concerning things sacrificed to idol, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. So what is Paul writing to the Corinthian church? You know, the Corinthian church made a lot of mistakes. And selfishly, I'm glad they did. Because we have a lot of knowledge from letters to the Corinthians that we would not have had they not made the mistakes. And so they had the same thing we see sometimes in the world today. And that is people who know they have superior knowledge. They're convinced. And what does Paul write to them? He says, knowledge makes what? Makes arrogance. We've seen that. We, we as Christians have observed that. But there is a juxtaposition here, and it says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. And what's the juxt, you know that word? It's that if anyone doesn't love God, he's not known of God. So love, in this instance, is, is given to us as more preferable than knowledge. Then we look at the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And the last verse, But now abide faith, hope, love. These three. 
But the greatest of these is love. Just as Jesus taught to the lawyer, what's the greatest commandment? Love. What does Paul write to the Corinthians? Love is more important than faith and, and hope. But if we're without hope, we, we're without everything. So where do we place love in our, in our hierarchy? Is it place where God's Word places it? Or is it sort of something that we have an option of doing or not doing? What does it really do for us? Well, Jesus told the lawyer it was the most important thing. And the reason it was the most important thing was it was what would motivate everything else. Why did we come here this morning? If we didn't come here for love, we came for the wrong purpose. How do we recognize love? We got some examples on how we can recognize love. John 3:16. How could we go by a, a, a lesson on love without using that verse? How do we recognize love? For God what? So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When did God love us? When we were the finished product? No, God loved us before we were born. God loved us before he made us. Before he made the whole world. He knew what we would do. He knew what man would do. And he loved us enough to make a way for us to receive forgiveness from the sins that we would commit. So that we can have an eternity with him. So how do we recognize love? He still, even though, <clears throat> I, I, I once heard that a man who um, has been a member of the Lord's Church a lot longer than I have made a statement that he hadn't sinned in 40 years. That's supposed to motivate me, right? And yet I had observed him as he treated his brother and his fellow Christians in a way that I would never treat one. You see, God loved us before we were born. God loved us while we were in sin. God loves us today, and God still loves us when we fail Him. Remember Jesus looking down on Jerusalem and saying, You who slay the prophets, I'd gather you under my wings as a 
hen does a chick. But you won't. But he still loved him. As they were leading him away to Pilate, he still loved them. As Pilate was pronouncing judgment, he still loved him. As they were putting the nails in his hands and his feet, he still loved him. And as Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, he still loved him. And we know that he loved him because as they repented of their actions and were baptized, he added them to the church. That's what love looks like. So God showed his love. Christ showed his love. Why did Christ show his love? John 15th, the 15th chapter of John. Begin, we'll read verses 9 and 10. Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And so what we have here is we have a traceable um, hierarchy, if you will. It's not really a hierarchy, but we'll, I, don't, I can't think of the right word. God loved us. God loved Christ. Christ loved God. Christ loved us. And as Jesus told the lawyer, we are to love who? We're to love upward and downward. We're to love, or not downward, sideways. All right? We're to love Christ. We're to love God. We're to love our fellow man. How much? The new standard that he set was, as I have loved you. And so we're to show the love of God we're to show that we realize the love of God by showing that we love our fellow man. And who does that mean? Well, if we look at the at the uh, man who fell among thieves, this good Samaritan we come to understand that when we love our neighbors as ourselves, we are loving everyone around us. We can also look in, back in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, and we can see... We can see characteristics of our love, what, what it's supposed to look like. Verse 4, love is patient. 
I have a problem with that sometimes. Love is kind. Sometimes I speak in my teacher voice, which cannot be can be not kind. And is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. This is a hard one for all of us. You, you know, in a in a free market society, we are taught that it's that it's right and proper for us to act in our own self interest. And I believe that it is. But it's not correct for us to act in our own self-interest to the harm of others. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. In other words... We are not allowed to play elephant and remember everything that you did to me. Let it go, as the song says. Let it go. In the scope of things, it's not important. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. That's the, that needs to be the bond that binds us together here in this congregation. That needs to be the bond that binds us to all fellow Christians throughout the world. That needs to be the bond that binds us to the people who are living in the houses around us that don't attend, that we pass by on our way to church every morning, every Sunday. Our neighbors. If we if that is our bond. What will that make us do? That will make us care about those people enough to share the gospel with them, won't it? That will make us care about each other enough to suffer when one suffers and to try to be willing and and do everything in our power to help out. But you know, that's the bond in the church, but that's also the bond in the family. But this time, we, we, we see it a little bit, just a little bit different. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter we read in verses 25, 28, 33 that the husband is to love the wife 
just as the Christ loved the church and sacrificed himself for, gave himself for. So the husband has, has the, the obligation in the family of providing that bond. And then the wife has the obligation, the same obligation that we have toward God, of submitting and obeying. of providing reverence to her husband. And so the bond in the, in the family is the same as the bond in the church. And that bond is love. You see, the, the, the problem we have the problem we have is when we minimize the bond. The problem we have is when I don't buy roses for Paul. That's simplistic, isn't it? But there's something to be said there. Now, do you have to buy roses for your wife? No. You have your own way. You have your own way of expressing love. All right? And the problem is when we don't do that. And then in Romans, the 12th chapter, begin reading at the ninth verse. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. What does that mean? Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in the Spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. And then, then it comes into the hard part. Bless those who persecute you, and bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So how are we supposed to treat each other? Not like the lawyer was. All right? What was his idea? The Pharisees insisted on a strict interpretation of their rules. And anyone who did not follow that interpretation of their rules would be kicked out of the church, out of the synagogue. 
But Jesus taught a new standard. The standard Jesus taught was a standard based on love. And it's, it was a standard based on love that was by his example. And his example was what? Love as I have loved you. We need to be careful. We need to make sure that we're following the standard of Christ and that our standard is based on love. Love for God, love for Christ, love for each other, love for his church, love for the family. Love. I haven't said a thing about how one becomes a Christian, but it'll begin with love. We can, we can teach fear of eternal punishment and convert some people, but they won't remain around long if they don't understand that it's about love. If there's anyone here who would like to respond to the gospel, you have the opportunity as we stand and sing.